We open the Bible tonight and turn in the Old Testament to Psalm 103. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. And his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments, to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places, of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is the inspired, infallible, sacred scripture. The text we consider tonight is verses 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, thanks be to God, the great God of our salvation, for not leaving us alone. When we fell in our father Adam, 
that he did not leave us alone, all alone, completely alone in our sin. But God took us through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and he brought us into his everlasting covenant of grace. And in the covenant, God speaks to us. He speaks to us in his word and through the word of the gospel. And in the covenant, we speak to God. And we do that tonight in our worship. We speak to God. And in the covenant of grace, we speak to one another. As brothers and sisters in the family of God, we speak to one another the word of God. And sometimes we even speak to ourselves. In God's covenant, we talk to ourselves as the psalmist David did in the text we consider tonight. He exhorted himself. He spoke to his own soul, saying, Soul, bless the Lord. Now, the antithetical parallel to the text is found in the New Testament in Luke chapter 12, where we read of another example of a man who spoke to himself addressing his soul. Luke chapter 12, verse 16, Jesus teaches the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I'll pull down my barns, and I'll build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. A man addressed his own soul and said, Soul, you've done very well. Soul, bless yourself. Now the antithetical parallel to that, parallel, because another man speaking to his soul, but an antithetical parallel because now a man not speaking sinfully as that rich man did in the parable of our Lord is the psalmist David in the text we consider now, Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2, where David addresses his soul, but now says, Soul, bless the Lord. In the Psalms, God speaks to us. In the Psalms and with the Psalms, we speak to God. In the Psalms, we speak to one another. Paul speaks of that in his letters to the Churches at Ephesus and Colossae that when we sing, we exhort and admonish one another with the Psalms. But also in the Psalms, we speak to ourselves. We talk to ourselves, exhorting ourselves to bless the name of the Lord. So let's consider that word together tonight. It's a very, very simple word for all of us, even for the children. It's a simple word, but... It's not always so easy to practice. Day after day, exhorting ourselves to bless the name of the Lord. So may God make his word powerful tonight that we leave blessing the name of the Lord. Let's take as our theme, exhorting myself to bless Jehovah. First of all, the meaning of this. Second, the importance of this. And third, the activity of this. 
To understand the meaning of the text, the basic teaching of the text, we need to look at three different concepts. First of all, the object that we bless. Second, the blessing of that object. And then third, the source of the blessing of that object. So we begin with the object that we bless, which of course is God. And the text teaches us three things about God. First of all, He is Jehovah, the Lord, all capital letters, Jehovah. So that we read in the text, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. And verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, the Lord Jehovah. He is God, the only God, the God who created the heavens and the earth, and He's the God of the covenant. And that's brought out especially by this name. So he's the God of the covenant promise who promises to his people in Christ, I love you and I will bless you and favor you and I will preserve you and glorify you and one day I'll take you to live with me forever in the highest heights of heaven. And because he is the Lord Jehovah, his promise is steadfast and sure I am that I am, he says his name is, and so his promise is always fulfilled. Jehovah, he is God, there's none like him, the Lord. The second thing the text teaches us about our God whom we bless is that his name is holy. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. To be holy is to be separated from everything else and set apart, and set apart for some special use. So then the old dispensation, there was furniture in the tabernacle, and that furniture was holy. There was, for example, the table of showbread, and that table was holy to be separated from all other tables for a special use the worship of God's name in the tabernacle. Now, the text tells us that the name of Jehovah, that's his great name whereby he reveals himself to us. His name is holy. So that if you take all of the names that have ever been named in history, who can possibly count them? Adam, Eve, Cain, Abel, Seth, and all their wives, we don't know their names. All their children, we don't know all their names. And you keep going all the way through history, every name that's ever been named, not only of the righteous, but also of the wicked, the ungodly, not only of men, but there's Gabriel and Michael, angels, and there's Satan whose name is Lucifer. Take every name that's ever been named. And now take the name Jehovah. And that name is Holy. It is to be separated from everything, not only from that which is sinful, but from everything and everyone separated and set apart for special use, that it is to be worshipped, so that even the angels fall down before Jehovah and say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, His name is holy. The Lord, whose name is holy. And then third, the text teaches us about our God that 
He's the God of benefits. And this is the main thing. There are many Bible verses that call him Lord. Many Bible verses that say his name is holy. But it's especially in this text that God reveals himself as the God of all benefits. So that we read in the text, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Our God is the God of benefits. He's the only. He's the eternal. He's the overflowing. He's the loving fountain and source of all benefits. All good things. So many are his benefits. So that as the psalmist starts stringing them out, who could possibly count all of them? But he makes a beginning. And that's what happens in the verses that immediately follow. Who, verse 3, forgiveth all thine iniquity. And that's benefit number one. Forgiveness. If you are an unforgiven and penitent sinner... With God's heavy hand upon you, it doesn't matter if you're the king. Your life is miserable. And David knows it from experience. The worst kind of misery. There is no benefit greater than the benefit of the forgiveness of sins. That I can be right with God through the blood of the cross. Verse 3, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. And then he keeps going. He strings them out. Who healeth all thy diseases? Who redeemeth thy life from destruction? Who crowneth? You have a crown. Who crowned thee with loving kindness and tender mercy? Benefit after benefit after benefit. Benefits in the soul. Benefits in the body. Benefits at home. Benefits at work. Benefits in the school. Benefits in the church. Everywhere the child of God goes, benefits, so many benefits from God. In fact, if the whole of this universe were a barn, so you go that way as far as you can through all the distant galaxies, and then you go that way as far as you can through all the galaxies, keep going and going and going. If the whole vast expanse of the universe were a barn, this barn would have to be torn down, and a bigger barn built to hold all of the benefits of Jehovah God. Just think of the benefit of heaven, everlasting life in the new heavens, in the new earth, in the new world, in the new creation, in the new Eden, the new paradise, which so far exceeds the glory of this earthly creation that the barn of this universe can't possibly hold the glory of the new world. All the benefits of Jehovah God. And forget not, all His benefits, so many of them, and they're all concentrated in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's really brought out in the text by the name Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all capital letters. And then you go into the New Testament, and you look around, and where do you find? Can you find that name Lord, all capital letters? Well, even the children come to learn that the name Jesus, J E. S-U-S, Jesus, which you find all through the New Testament, means 
Jehovah salvation. The Lord salvation. This name in the text, it does appear in the New Testament in the name Jesus. So when you read the name Lord in the Old Testament, you need to see the name Jesus in that name. Jehovah salvation. Lord. And then what does the following context say the psalmist does not mention all kinds of benefits as such like forgiveness and healing and redemption from destruction but he says lord verse one lord verse two and now here come the benefits who so that the focus isn't on the benefits but the one who gives the benefits who forgiveth all thine iniquities and who healeth all thy diseases. That's Jehovah God in Jesus Christ so that all of the benefits are in Christ. He is the great benefit. In fact, if you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, then everything God does in your life is a benefit. And that's brought out by that word benefits which literally means doings, activities, actions. And forget not all his doings. Forget not all his activities. Everything God does, all his doings, everything God does is a benefit for his people. If God strikes you so that you howl, that's his benefit for you. If God exalts you and lifts you up above your brethren, that's his benefit for you. If God makes your way very dark, very, very dark and perplexing so that you throw your hands up and say, why, oh God, thy way is in the sea, oh God, why? Through mighty waters deep and broad, why? To man thy footsteps are unknown, why? Why, Lord, that's his benefit for you. If God makes your way straight and smooth with all kinds of good things, that's his benefit for you. If God puts a man in your path who curses you and he hurls stones at you like Shimei, David, that's God's benefit for you. If God puts a man on your path who blesses you and favors you, that's his benefit for you. If God gives you little crumbs, that's your daily bread, little crumbs, maybe ravens will fly and drop little crumbs for you. That's God's benefit for you. If God puts lobster and steak and all kinds of good things on your table, that's God's benefit for you. Everything God does is a benefit to his people. Nothing God does is to harm his church. Now, that's not true for all. Outside of Jesus Christ, that's not true. But if we are in Christ Jesus, who is the great benefit... Because through him we've been reconciled unto God and we are right with God. If we are in Christ Jesus, then everything God does, all his doings are benefits for us. All his benefits. The object we bless, the Lord, whose name is holy, and is the God of benefits. Now, the blessing of that object, the psalmist says, bless the Lord, 
O my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul. In order to understand what it means to bless, it would be very helpful for us to understand what it means to curse. The opposite, to curse. To curse is to speak against someone desiring and pursuing their destruction. God curses. Proverbs 3 verse 33 says, The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. Now isn't that terrifying? That if you go into the house of the wicked man, God is there, and he's speaking against, and he's desiring, and he's pursuing the destruction of that man in his own house. That's terrifying. Or you stand beneath the shadow of the cross and you see the Lord Jesus Christ on that cross, God's word of condemnation against him, and death and destruction coming against him. What a terrifying thing to have upon you the curse of God. God curses. But man curses. Man curses God. That means man speaks against God. Man desires it's so vain and futile. Man desires and man pursues the destruction of God. But God sits on his throne in the heavens and he laughs man to scorn and he will have them all in derision. God curses. Man curses. But now the opposite of cursing is blessing. To bless. That's to speak well of someone, to desire and to pursue their advantage, their well-being, their prosperity. And God blesses us. That's where the whole worship service begins. Grace, mercy, and peace be granted unto you from God the Father, through Jesus Christ our Lord, And by the operation of the Holy Spirit, God blesses us. But now in the text, David blesses the name of the Lord. That means he takes that name Jehovah, that holy name, and he speaks well of that name. And though you can't can't add to God, you can't improve God, You can't advantage God. You can't enhance God's well-being in any way. To bless God is to speak well of God. And speaking well of God, that's the verbal expression of the desire of your heart that God be magnified, that He be praised, that He be extolled. To bless God is to praise Him, to thank Him. In fact, the word bless literally means to kneel. The very, the very best way to bless the name of the Lord is to kneel. To fall down before him and say, Not I, O Lord, not any other man or creature in the heavens above or in the earth beneath. Not unto us be any of the glory, but unto thy name be all of the glory now and forevermore. Blessing the name. Of the Lord. The object, the blessing, 
of that object. And now third and finally, to understand the meaning of the text, there is the source, not the ultimate source, we're coming to that, but the source, which is David's soul. So that he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And by soul, he's referring to his internal spiritual life. And that's made plain by what follows when he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now, to be sure, we bless the name of the Lord with the whole life that we live outwardly in the body. We serve God in the body. The Old Testament Israelite, he'd bring his bullock, his ram, his lamb. He'd carry a few shekels in his hand, and he would go to the tabernacle, blessing the name of the Lord in the activity of worship. We bless the name of the Lord in preaching, in reading, in praying, in singing, in studying, in parenting in the home, in laboring faithfully in the workplace. When we go for a consistory meeting, when we have a school board meeting, in all this activity, we live for the blessing of the name of the Lord. But David goes deeper. He goes to the soul and says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Because what if all that worship and that service and that activity What if it's all hypocrisy? Vain religion. Just an outward show. David knows the great danger, the threat, the temptation. It's the perennial threat for me, but not just for me, for you but not just for you, for Grace Protestant Reformed Church, but not just for you, for the Protestant Reformed Churches, but not just for us, for all the people of God in true churches the world over today, but not just for us. It's the great danger, threat, and temptation for all God's people throughout all ages, going all the way back to David and behind David, all the way back to the fall of Adam and Eve into sin, that we would go into the temple of God to worship Him with a soul that does not soar, but with a soul that cleaves to the dust, with a spirit that does not break over our own sin, with a heart that is not consciously believing in God, that we would fold our hands and close our eyes and pray, but our mind is at work but our mind is on vacation, but our mind is at the football game, but our mind is thinking about that new outfit that we just bought, that we would stand up and sing, but all we care about is our ear, and what we hear is the sound pleasing to us, but there's no affection in the soul for the living God, that we would go to work on Monday and we have no joy in the Lord, we have no gratitude for Jesus Christ. Or worse, on a Friday night, we would go to a party and get drunk and do some cursing and swearing and Saturday, we would mistreat our neighbor and slander our sister. And then on Sunday morning, we would put on a dress or a shirt and tie and come sit in church as a good worshiper and it's all hypocrisy it's just a show 
That's the great danger. Always has been. Going all the way back to David. And that's why David does not say, Bless the Lord, O my tongue, O my mouth, O my hands and my feet and my body. But David goes down all the way deep down to his soul because he knows that God does not merely command rams and lambs and bullocks and shekels and preaching and reading and studying and praying and parenting and working. God commands the soul. Consecrate your soul unto me. And so David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, so that no part of his internal spiritual life is excluded. All within my soul. If David has 20,000 soldiers in his army, he may say, come to battle all my soldiers. And every single soldier in my army come to battle now. And here they come. Pretty soon, here they all are. 19,999 soldiers. And David says, stop. We are not going to war. Where is he? Someone's missing. Is he at home? Come to battle all my soldiers. And every single soldier in my army, come to battle now. Now David says the same thing about his soul. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all, and every single thing within my soul, every thought, every desire, every affection, every imagination, and all that is within me, nothing excluded, and all that is within me, let there be no admixture of unbelief, and all that is within me, not one stray thought of pride, of lust, of envy, of doubt, of fear, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. There it is. David's personal exhortation to himself. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. This exhortation of ourselves to bless Jehovah is very important. And that's indicated in the text, not merely from the words, but even the form of the text. The text really contains four statements, and they all say basically the same thing. So that what we have is parallelism. Verse 1 has a statement, bless the Lord, O my soul. And then another statement follows, which is basically the same, just different words. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Two parallel statements. Verse 2 contains the same thing. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And then the second statement is parallel. 
It says basically the same thing, different words, and forget not all his benefits. But not only is there parallelism in verse 1 and parallelism in verse 2, verses 1 and 2 themselves are parallel to each other. The whole text is parallelism. So that we have four statements all basically saying the same thing. Now, if you say something four, one, two, three, four, four times must be important. How important is this exhortation? And for many reasons, let's give three of them. Number one, because of ingratitude. We are always tempted to forget God and become unthankful. In fact, that's such a great temptation that David explicitly says in the text in verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. That's our inclination, to forget. And forget not all His benefits. Prosperity is dangerous because we're inclined to forget When Israel prospers, when David has united, God through David has united the tribes after that long period of the judges, and all the tribes are united, and the ark of the Lord is carried up Mount Zion, and the tabernacle is pitched on Mount Zion, and here comes all the tribes of the Lord to worship, and they're all gathered on God's holy hill, and the Philistines and the Canaanites are subdued. And no one is hunting David and chasing him, seeking his life. And the fields are golden with the grain. And the storehouses are bursting at the end of the harvest when there's so much prosperity in Israel. The inclination is to forget God because who needs God when you have everything? Prosperity is dangerous. When there's a pastor on every pulpit. When there's only one consistory meeting a month. And they're pretty short and routine. When the classical and synodical agendas are short. When the church visitors have basically no work. No one to help. When the reports coming back from family visitation are, now of course, there's a stray soul here, there's a stray soul there, but basically, people are thriving, everything is well. When there's pure doctrine, it's taught, it's loved. When the congregation's living in peace and unity, when materially we have all kinds of good things, then the inclination is to forget God, because who really needs God when everything is going so very well? Forgetting God, we fail to thank Him for all His benefits. And isn't that awful? Ingratitude is so wicked. Sometimes we act like the most thankless wretches. And we do not thank God for all the good things He has given to us, but we forget Him. Isn't that something that we forget God. I have never heard of a bride forgetting to buy a wedding dress. I never heard of that. That a bride wakes up on the day of her wedding 
And mid-morning, it all of a sudden dawns on her, I, I, I totally forgot to buy a wedding dress. You've never heard of that. God has never heard of that. Jeremiah 2, verse 32, can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? No. No one ever has. Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. We don't forget ourselves, but we will forget God. And forgetting him, fail to thank him. Forget that he elected us from all eternity when others were reprobated. That he elected us from all eternity. Have you forgotten that? The doctrine of election? That God set his love upon us before the foundation of the world? That God has given to us his only beloved, dearly begotten son, and in Him all things, so that everything God does is a benefit to us, we forget God, and we become thankless wretches. And that's why it's so, so important that the Holy Spirit move us again and again to exhort ourselves, as David did, and to say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. In gratitude. Second, there's pride. That makes this exhortation important. We're, we're always tempted to bless ourselves and rewrite the psalm. Bless me, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless me in my holy name. Bless me, O my soul, and forget not all my goodness. Soul, soul, soul. You have done so, so well. Look at all of your children and all of your grandchildren in the church because you've been such a faithful father, mother, grandfather, grandmother, better than others. Soul, you've, you've been such a good member of the church. You've never been rebuked by the elders like others. You deserve to have your name set apart. Soul, you're not a Philistine, you're an Israelite. You're not a Roman Catholic, you're Reformed. That's because you made a lot of good decisions in your life. You've set yourself apart. You're better. Soul, you need to tear down your barns and build bigger and bigger barns because your hands have labored so industriously. You've been so faithful, more faithful than others. Now take thine ease and eat, drink, and be merry. Soul, you have done so many good works of worship and charity toward others that God would be unjust if he did not justify you and give you the highest seat in heaven based on everything you've done. Pride. The same pride that dominated the rich man of Luke chapter 12 is the pride that is found within us and we fail to remember God and bless him because of our pride and our self-focus. But pride is abominable. It is so wretched. The slightest inclination toward a haughty spirit is so wicked that we would bless ourselves and not the one who is Jehovah and whose name is holy and who's the God of all benefits. And it's exactly because of that threat of pride 
David exhorts himself by the power of the Spirit and says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Then third and finally, there's unbelief. And that makes this exhortation important. Unbelief. First of all, there's unbelief out there so that the Israelite stands and he looks and all the Philistines out there, all those Canaanite nations and the Assyrians and Syrians and Egyptians, they're all unbelievers. And the child of God in the church today looks out and everywhere you look, there are unbelievers in the world. And they're all getting good things too from the very hand of God. They get the same sunshine. They get the same rain. They get good health. Sometimes they get better health than the child of God. They get all kinds of material possessions from God, sometimes more and better possessions than the child of God. They don't bless Him. They curse Him. On Thanksgiving Day, they will not bow down before the living God and thank Him for what they have. In fact, they will curse Him. Now, that reality of unbelief all around the people of Israel, the people of God, makes it so important that David exhort himself, saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul. They might not, they will not, but I have the name of God. I've been incorporated into God's covenant. I must be a light in this world of darkness, representing the cause of God in the world. And while they do not bless Him but curse Him, soul, soul, bless Him. You bless Him. But there's not only unbelief out there in the world, there's unbelief within the walls of Israel, right within the walls of Jerusalem. There's unbelief right within the visible church, the church institute. There always is. There are unbelievers in the church. There are tares in the wheat field. There is carnal seed mixed in with the spiritual seed. They are not all Israel, which are of Israel. There are unbelievers in the church. Now, we might not see them and know them as unbelievers because they live as hypocrites until the day, the time God exposes them in their confession and in their walk of life. But there have always been unbelievers in the visible church. And that reality makes it so important for David and you and me to say, Bless the Lord, O my soul. They might not, but soul, you bless Him. But there's not only unbelief out there in the world, and there's not only unbelief within the walls of Israel, There's unbelief in David's own soul and in my soul and in your soul. David is a believer. That's his identity. He is not an unbeliever. I am a believer, so are you, child of God. That's our identity. We are not unbelievers. Though we are believers... That's our identity. We have yet cleaving to us until the day we die. 
a desperately wicked, sinful flesh, sometimes called the old man of sin, that is teeming with unbelief. It is full of unbelief. And sometimes that unbelief within the flesh becomes so powerful and it so exerts an influence that the child of God, who's a believer, that's his identity forever, he's a believer, for a time he lives in unbelief where he's not consciously believing in God, trusting in God. What's the evidence of that? Well, all kinds of evidences. But one evidence of that unbelief is this murmuring, this murmuring, this bitterness. Woe is me. And every soul has it better than I do. My life is so wretched. Why has God brought all this into my life? And even going before God with complaints and being angry with God, bitter with God, why is that? Well, that's unbelief. Here's the word. Here's the word. All I do, I do well, says Jehovah. All I do for you is a benefit for you. In Jesus Christ, I work everything to your advantage. Because I love you. That's what the Word says. But there may be a time in the life of the child of God where he doesn't hold for truth what God's Word says. He doesn't believe it. Not right now. Not at this moment. He's living temporarily in unbelief. And then that comes out. All this bitterness and murmuring against God. And because that's always a threat and a danger for David and for you and me, it makes it so important that David be moved by the Holy Spirit to say, Bless, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Ingratitude, pride, unbelief. We've considered the meaning of the text, the importance of these words. Let's conclude tonight with our activity, which is to exhort ourselves to bless the name of the Lord. Now notice three things about this activity. Number one, it is a personal activity. Now, this is really the most beautiful, striking, memorable, unique feature of the text. That it not only contains an exhortation, as many texts do, but that it contains a personal exhortation of the believer to him or her self. Certainly, we give exhortations to others so that the minister will say, Congregation, bless the name of the Lord. And the elders, they go on family visitation and into every single house they go, when they open up the scriptures, they will say in so many words, now, man, woman, husband, wife, family, children, bless the name of the Lord. Teachers will do that in the classroom at school. Parents will do that in the home. 
my children, sons and daughters, let us bless the name of the Lord. The child of God may even do that in the workplace. My coworker, you stop cursing God's name. Bless the name of the Lord. But before you ever exhort anyone anywhere to bless the name of the Lord, we would, David, stop and first give an exhortation to our own soul. Soul, you bless the name of the Lord. When you wake up in the morning, you talk to yourself and you say, soul, Bless the name of the Lord. And then do that. You bless him. And when you retire for the evening, say, soul, bless the name of the Lord. And bless him. And when you're tempted to sin, when you're being tempted to look, when you're being tempted to touch, when you're being tempted to say, look at what you better not look at and touch what you ought never touch and say what you ought never say. When you are being tempted, stop. By the power of the Holy Spirit, exhort yourself and say, Bless the Lord, O my soul. I will not look. I will not touch. I will not say it. I will bless the name of the Lord. Personal activity. The second thing to notice about this activity is that is performed most effectively by singing. This is a psalm. It, it was written as a song to be sung by the Israelites in corporate worship. The best time and the best place to talk to yourself, exhorting yourself to bless the name of the Lord, is in church on Sunday with the assembled people of God when you arise and take the songs of God and sing to Him. When you're singing the words of the songs of Zion, especially then, the Holy Spirit draws out of the soul praise unto the name of God. Music is powerful. Singing is powerful in both ways. Bad music and good music when we're singing the song. And then woe be to that man and woe be to that woman who doesn't want anything to do with the church and they go isolate themselves and live all by themselves, not singing with the body. It's when we sing, as David did, that we exhort ourselves, especially then. Then third and finally tonight, this activity flows out of our life in Christ. The deepest source is not my soul or David's soul or your soul, but Jesus Christ. Now, it's one thing to say, bless the Lord, O my soul. That's a wonder of grace. It's another thing actually to do it. 
to bless the name of the Lord. That's another wonder of grace. And what a wonder of grace it is because by nature our soul is so dark and it's so hard and it's so full of hatred for God. How could one ever possibly exhort his soul to bless the name of the Lord except there be a miracle, the wonder of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now just look at that blessed Savior. Because do, do not the words of the text come to their climax in the Lord Jesus Christ? He is the true David. He is the king of Israel. He is the sweet psalmist. And he lived his whole life exhorting himself, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And he did it. He always did it perfectly. And when the devil led him up to that high hill and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, kneel. The word bless in the text literally means kneel. Kneel before me and I'll give you all the kingdoms before Jesus ever spoke to Satan. No doubt he spoke to himself saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. And then, then speaking to Satan his whole life, his whole ministry. Later on when they spit upon him and they buffeted him, they took those spikes and they drove them through his palms into that tree of the cross. There when he was hanging, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me right now on this cross, bless his holy name. And when God took all the vials of his wrath, all the vials of his wrath that ought to be poured on you and me and David for all our ingratitude and for all our pride and for all our unbelief and for all our failure to live according to Psalm 103 verses 1 and 2. When God took all the vials of his wrath and he poured them out, not on us, but he poured them out upon his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that curse, and he felt that in his body and in his soul, so that in his soul was the inexpressible anguish and torments of hell, that bitter agony that no son, no tongue can tell. When he was writhing under the wrath of God, experienced in his soul on the cross, even there, especially there, he exhorted himself. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me now under this curse. Bless His most holy name. And He did it all the way to the end. He perfectly blessed the name of the Lord. Now He's the head. He's the head. We are the body. And we belong to Him. And in that Jesus Christ Tonight, for you and me, is a covering, a covering of all our sin and all our failure brought to light in these words, forgiveness, and in the Lord Jesus Christ, His Spirit, His own Spirit, in my soul, in your soul, and it's by the power of that spirit of Jesus Christ that we say, that we sing with David, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, 
and forget not all his benefits. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank thee for thy word. Now make it effectual in us so that we go forth from thy house tonight and into the new week determined and resolved to bless thy name. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.